You're not in this story. Yeah, well, we're making it up as we go. Hello and welcome to Making It Up As We Go, a Destiel fan fiction anthology podcast. We're making it up as we go. I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerdenstein. The story is ours now. You can't have it back. Please be warned that the stories featured can and will contain explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. Today I'll be reading Cakepocalypse, chapters 9 and 10, written by Mittenwraith. The rating is mature. Pertinent tags for this fic include Alternate Universe Canon Divergence Friends to Lovers Love Confessions Cake Angst and fluff and smut, but mostly fluff with a dash of crack. Chapter 11. Ephus. Everything burned. It felt like drowning in liquid fire, searing so hot through him it turned the world blazing blue. Every cell in Dean's body screamed out as the flames were ripped from his being, pouring out of his mouth and filling a tiny glass vial. Something squeezed his hand as feeling returned, and he slowly turned his head to see Cass staring at him intently, hope and desperation filling his wide eyes. The screams that he now knew were not his own still echoed through Dean's head. Without thinking twice about it, he squeezed Cass's hand back. Nothing made sense. Not the weird and vividly intense dream he'd been having about being a baker. Not the burning pain. And definitely not the crowd of people hovering around him now. Gotcha, you dick. Gabriel said, talking to the vial of grace that Dean had to assume was Michael, unless it was just another dream. Gabriel held up the vial and looked between Dean and Cass. BRB, taking this where it belongs, he said and then zapped off. Gabriel, Dean said, trying and failing to sit up and realizing he was in his recliner in the Dean cave. How? Gabriel poofed back in Sans' vial and finished his sentence for him. Am I still alive? Dean, 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 when are you going to learn that I excel at not dying? I think the only person I've ever met who's better at it is you. Billy snorted at that, and Dean turned around to see her smiling at him. She held up her hands to calm the worry on his face. Hey, I'm only here as a witness today. Nobody's dying. Well, not in this room anyway, she added, and then gave Dean a little nod and disappeared. Dean, how are you feeling? Sam said. My head hurts. 
Sam glanced up behind Dean's chair as he kicked weakly at the footrest to make it unrecline, and a pair of hands dropped to his shoulders to hold him down. I advise you to hold still while I finish removing this, Naomi said from above his head, carefully pulling the remaining pins out of the metal halo around Dean's head. It's a delicate procedure, but your head will stop hurting when I'm done. What the hell happened? Dean asked, turning again to see Cass, who was still lying stretched out in the recliner beside him, looking as limp and bedraggled as a lump of overcooked spaghetti. Everyone in the room exchanged uneasy glances before Rowena sighed and rolled her eyes, coming to stand by Sam's side and giving him a look like she couldn't believe he was making her do the talking. I take it you remember Michael breaking his deal with you after you killed Lucifer. She looked absolutely radiant with gratitude as she said it, as if it was the most important thing anyone had ever done for her. Dean now understood why Rowena was voluntarily spending time in the bunker, not to mention voluntarily helping him out without any apparent reward in the offing. But he also remembered flashes of the weeks. Was it weeks? That he'd spent riding around as a passenger in his own body. He nodded slowly and caught a glance over at Cass, who was still staring at him intently even through his obvious exhaustion. Yeah, I remember. Well, let's just say we were in a right pickle to find you after that. Sam cleared his throat. Michael didn't want to give you up, and Cass and I had no idea how to make him. Luckily, we found Gabriel just chilling in here. He waved a hand around to the Dean Cave. Yeah, but at least I caught up on Dr. Sexy, and that's the real important takeaway here, Gabriel said. So that wasn't you in Apocalypse World? Dean asked. Got it in one, Dino. Gabriel pointed a finger at him as the pressure lifted off his head, and he felt Naomi heal the wounds left by her torture device. Dean sighed with relief and his head stopped pounding. He decided he didn't really need to sit up yet and just laid there with his eyes closed for a moment, enjoying the absence of pain. Castiel and Gabriel came to me to ask for my advice and assistance, Naomi said, collecting her tools. And it just so happened that Aniel had spent the last few millennia developing a sort of battery. She believed it might be enough to contain Michael and allow his grace to power heaven indefinitely. But Castiel insisted we remove Michael from your vessel first. Good, Dean grunted, giving Cass's hand another squeeze. It became quite the project, Rowena said. Your angels here had to track you down and tie you up, she said, pointing out the sigils painted around the room and on the ceiling above his chair. Not an easy task, that. Adiel needed time to adapt her battery to Michael's grace, and in the meantime we needed to keep Michael from breaking free again running off to wreak havoc all over the planet. That's where Naomi and Patience came in. I had to track down your Mr. Ketch to get my hands on his pulse egg thingamabob, but it worked a treat, even better than it did with Lucifer. Cass cleared his throat, but his voice still sounded scratchy and weak, like he really needed a glass of water. It was Gabriel's idea to keep you distracted, rather than abandon you to Michael's mercy while we waited. Once Naomi had Michael trapped, I was the only one who could breach his defenses and reach you. So Gabriel used me as a sort of conduit to your soul. 
like you once did for me, Mary said from across the room. Dean looked over and saw her smiling wearily at him, as if she'd been sitting in that chair for far too long. He remembered volunteering to plug himself directly into her mind to try to reach the part of her the men of letters had locked away. It had taken a lot of wires and machines and a shitload of the good drugs to make that happen, but it had only taken Cass holding his hand. Dean looked down at their still-joined hands, trying to understand how that could be, and vividly recalled how the not-a-dream Gabriel had put him in had ended. He cast a worried look over at Cass, who looked pained and started to withdraw his hand from Dean's. Dean clung tighter, giving him a panicked but reassuring squeeze and cleared his throat. So you stuck me in a chair, hooked me up to Cass, and then let Gabriel run the show in my head for a couple of months? Dean asked. Sam shook his head. You've been here about five days, Dean. It felt like months to you. What the hell did he have you doing in there? Gabriel stepped up in front of Sam, giving Dean a look that he read as, I'm not going to tell him unless you want me to. Dean gave him a tiny grateful nod and Cass squeezed his hand again to get his attention. Cass nodded solemnly at him and Dean relaxed. It wasn't a dream, first off. It was a pocket dimension, Gabriel said, helpfully changing the subject. They're more fun than dreams and a hell of a lot more malleable. So I powered the setting and the actors, gave you a premise, and let you and Cass run with it while I tagged along for the ride. Let me tell you, that was some fucking ride. You'll be happy to know I didn't erase any of your memories, so you'll still be able to make one hell of a wedding cake if you should suddenly feel the need. I was just here to keep tabs on how you were doing, Patience said, giving Gabriel a little glare for talking too much in mixed company and then redirecting to safer, less personal territory. I get a read on Gabriel and was able to let Naomi know when you needed an adjustment, she added, pointing to the handful of giant metal pins in Naomi's hand. She had to sleep sometimes, so I was on my own occasionally, Naomi said. I apologize for letting Michael slip through a couple of times. He's exceedingly powerful, which bodes well for the continuing stability of heaven. Yeah, Dean replied, his brow furrowed together. He recalled a few confusing glimpses of heaven through Michael's eyes, and it hadn't looked anything like it did the one time he remembered being there during the original apocalypse. There was no road to find, only sterile white hallways and a confusing tangle of energy barely holding itself together. From what he gathered, heaven had been holding itself together with duct tape and wishful thinking. If they could really use Michael to fix whatever had been tearing it apart, Dean felt just a little bit better about having gotten himself into this mess in the first place. With his head feeling nearly back to normal, his body began to remind him of the physical effects of having been stuck in a lazy boy for the last five days. Michael's grace may have kept him from feeling hunger before, but as delicious as he recalled it being... All the food he'd eaten in Gabriel's pocket universe hadn't actually fed his physical body. His stomach growled. Mary heard the rumble from halfway across the room and stood up. Jack's in the kitchen making sandwiches, she said. I'll go help him get that finished now that you're okay. On her way out of the room, she bent down to cup a hand to Dean's cheek and smiled wearily at him. Sam gave Dean another grin and a pat on the shoulder before offering to help Mary and Jack, and then followed his mother out. If it's not too much trouble, can anyone bring me back to the portal? Naomi asked. 
Now that the battery is up and running, I need to get back to make sure everything has been restored to normal working order. I can drop you off, Patience said at the same moment Rowena said. I'd be delighted to accompany you. Everyone's in such a hurry to leave all of a sudden, Dean muttered as the three of them debated their carpool situation. Guess I was better company when I was unconscious. I thought you were excellent company, Cass replied with a crooked little smile. Yeah, we're going to talk about that, Dean said, giving his hand another squeeze before finally letting go and trying yet again to stand up. But I need food, like yesterday. His stomach growled again. Or before that. How long did Michael have me, anyway? Bastard could have had a cheeseburger or something once in a while. It wouldn't have killed him. Patience, Rowena, and Naomi took that as their cue to leave. Naomi stopped at the threshold and turned back to Gabriel. I take it you'll be returning to heaven eventually. I'll probably pop in for visits once my grace is back to baseline. I've got a bit of tidying up to do here first. With a terse nod, Naomi left. And Gabriel stepped over to Dean and offered him a hand up. Dean eyed it suspiciously and Gabriel rolled his eyes. Come on, Dino, you're still not going to trust me? After everything I've done for you, I'm crushed. You could probably just zap me right to the kitchen if you really wanted to be helpful, and you've been in my head for days. Call it a healthy respect. Gabriel groaned. Did you just gloss over the part where I explained it wasn't a dream? Technically, you have been in my head for days, bucko. Don't even try to tell me I wasn't an excellent host. Dean blinked up at him, the memories of his entire stint as a baker and reality TV star solidifying in his mind. He thought back over to what felt like several months' worth of memories, and the endless cakes and pastries he knew without a doubt he could still make as proficiently as he had in the dream. He considered asking if Gabriel had injected that knowledge into his head so he'd always know where to go for a good cannoli, but decided a lifetime of baking for the Archangel was a small price to pay for having his ass hauled out of that particular fire. It definitely beat an eternity trapped with Michael inside Aniel's heaven battery. There was only one complaint he had about the entire experience. You didn't even have any pie. What the fuck kind of lame-ass universe doesn't have any pie? Gabriel grinned at him and shrugged. I thought that was a hilarious touch, actually. Dean made a disgusted noise, but reluctantly gave Gabriel his hand and was finally pulled to his feet. Gabriel gave him a little pat on the back of his hand and then stuck his hand out to Cass. Come on, Castiel, time to rise and shine. Cass sighed and allowed Gabriel to help him up. I'm not as accustomed to remaining entirely still as I once was. But thank you, Gabriel, for everything, he added with a significant look at his brother. I'd appreciate another day or two to consider your offer. Gabriel glanced over at Dean and then nodded at Cass. Whenever you're ready, just give a holler and I'll be here. Cass nodded, and then Gabriel zapped himself off. Dean sighed with relief and nearly fell back into his comfy recliner. The only thing that kept him on his feet was the prospect of food waiting out in the kitchen. He and Cass leaned on each other, and together they were finally able to get their feet moving in the right direction. Chapter 12, Walk Off 
A thousand thoughts warred in Dean's head, as he and Cass clung to each other and carefully inched their way toward the door. But the one that felt the most urgently important was Gabriel's parting comment. After everything they'd been through, he knew he needed to have a long talk with Cass. If Gabriel had already made him some better offer, Dean could suck it up and keep his mouth shut for Cass's sake. The future definitely seemed to be the most important thing to figure out. If Cass were planning to pick up and take off again in just a day or two, Dean didn't really want to know right that second. Less than an hour after Cass had kissed him and saved him from Michael, but it was probably best to start preparing himself for the worst, because if Dean knew how to prepare himself for anything, it was definitely the worst. They'd shuffled themselves to the hallway before Dean stopped, and Cass had no choice but to stop with him. So what's this offer Gabe made you? He asked, feeling like this was the safest place to start. Cass took a deep breath and adjusted his grip around Dean's waist to rebalance himself now that they'd lost their forward momentum. He knows that, now that you're safe. The only thing I'd want is to ensure Heaven's continued safety and stability. Dean looked down at his feet. Yeah, I know it's your home, and it's important to you. It's important to everyone, Dean. If heaven were to shatter apart, the world would be flooded with billions of human souls with nowhere else to go. Dean looked up at Cass, horrified at the thought. Yeah, shit, that does sound like a nightmare. Cass just shrugged. Michael's grace should be enough to keep that from ever happening now. Should being the operative word, huh? Nothing is guaranteed forever, Dean, Cass replied. After everything I've personally been responsible for that brought heaven to the brink of destruction, it only seems fair that I should help ensure its ongoing security. Most of that shit wasn't your fault, Cass, Dean said, beginning to see where he was going with this and feeling the panic creeping up again. It was a feeling he was far too familiar with, knowing Cass intended to leave and had no guarantee he'd ever be able to come back. You weren't the one who tried to start the apocalypse or restart it. You weren't the one who dumped all the angels out on their asses, or caused all the infighting. Cass smiled sadly. Maybe not, but I didn't really make the situation better. Dean took a deep breath and let it out slowly. He could survive this. Probably. He had so many times before. For the most part, anyway. So, what... Are you going to go lock yourself up in heaven to stand guard or whatever? Cash shook his head with dawning horror at the broken tone of Dean's voice and the resignation in his words. No, no, Dean, I, I, unless I'm not welcome to stay here with you. What? You want to stay here? Cass blinked at Dean for a moment. I thought that was a given at this point. You didn't think I'd want that? You've always left before, so... Cass stared him right in the eye, practically turning Dean so they were face to face without letting go of him. They both swayed precipitously on the spot from the sudden movement. Dean, I think you're operating under the misconception that I still consider heaven my home. I haven't for a long time now. This is my home, Dean. You are my home. Cass, Dean said softly, holding him tighter and feeling lightheaded. It was probably due to the starvation, but only partly. It wasn't nearly as bad as the dissociative episodes he kept having in Gabriel's pocket universe, at least. 
Gabriel offered to take what's left of my grace up to heaven, to make sure it would guarantee heaven's security. Dean let that sink in as his heart began to pick up the pace. You'd be human again. Are you sure that's what you want? Cass studied him for a moment, in exactly the same way he had right before he'd shattered the dream and they'd woken up, right before he'd kissed Dean. If everything we experienced in Gabriel's world was true, and if he really wanted to. He trailed off, his eyes searching Dean's. Dean didn't need him to finish that sentence. He pivoted the rest of the way into Cass and kissed him. This time, when their lips met, the universe didn't dissolve. Cass lifted his free hand to Dean's face and enthusiastically pulled him closer which was a maneuver beyond what either of them were currently physically capable of. Dean stumbled but was unwilling to stop kissing Cass. He tried to hold on for dear life, his free arm wrapping around Cass's waist. It prolonged their kiss for a few more glorious seconds before gravity took over and they both toppled to the floor. Dean let out a yelp as he landed on his back and Cass landed on top of him. Damn it, why didn't I put carpeting in here? He muttered as Cass blinked at him, stunned. Dean? Sam's voice came from down the hall, accompanied by racing footsteps. Cass? Sam rounded the corner into the room and froze for a second when he spotted them. Before racing into the room and crouching beside them to inspect them for any obvious sign of injury. What happened? Are you guys okay? Yeah, Dean replied, avoiding looking right at Sam. Yeah, neither of us is up to fighting gravity today is all. Shit, I was just coming to see if you needed help getting to the kitchen. I didn't think Gabriel would just leave. Gabriel does that, Cass replied. Dean snorted, but they both allowed Sam to help them regain their feet. Do you think Mom would be pissed if I got that sandwich to go? Dean asked, once he and Cass were propped up against each other again. Sam took one look at the two of them wobbling, rolled his eyes, and slid an arm around Dean to lend his far more stable support. He didn't even question how they'd ended up on the floor, which Dean counted as a small blessing. If he didn't have the energy to stand, he definitely didn't have the energy to explain him and Cass yet. Neither of you can stand up on your own, Sam said, getting them moving more efficiently toward the door and then down the hall toward Dean's room. I don't think anyone will complain you weren't up for a party tonight. Yeah, I'll tentatively pencil in the party for Thursday, Dean said, rolling his eyes, but grateful that they were finally getting somewhere. It is Thursday, Sam replied absently as he began to huff under the strain of keeping both Dean and Cass upright and moving. Huh, he said, letting Sam shuffle him along for a moment. When the dream world shattered, it had definitely been Monday night. Cass's kiss had literally knocked him three days into the future. He huffed out a wheezy little laugh at that and shook himself off when Sam gave him a funny look. Next Thursday, then, Dean grunted out. It had seemed like a great idea at the time to set up his Dean cave in a distant and rarely used corner of the bunker. Privacy had been his primary goal when he had begun assembling the decor, and being able to make as much noise as he wanted without bothering anyone else who might be sleeping, or research, in the more frequented parts of the bunker. He was regretting it now on that interminable walk to his room. Along the way, Sam told him that Michael had had him for about a month, which only made Dean's stomach growl louder in complaint. 
Sam had also asked what he remembered from that time. Dean gave a couple of vague answers and a promise to fill in details later. It might have looked like I was just napping there for the last five days, but I haven't actually eaten or slept in more than a month, and I kind of hate even hearing myself say that. It's okay, Dean, Cass replied. We can all rest tonight. It is night, right? It feels like night, he said, looking at Dean confused for a moment. I may have drained myself more than I believed. I seem to be disoriented. If it's not too much trouble, do you think Mary and Jack would mind making me a sandwich? Sam gave him a funny look, but nodded. Sure, PB&J? Whatever is convenient. I don't think it matters. They reached Dean's room, and Sam left Cass and Dean both sitting at the foot of the bed with a promise to return with their food as quickly as humanly possible. For the first time, Dean looked down at what he was wearing. The pants of a nice brown tweed suit and a matching waistcoat. He vaguely remembered the rest of the suit from when Michael first put it on, and he wondered if Sam or Mary or even Cass had removed his coats and tie. It didn't particularly matter one way or another now, and it wasn't like he ever intended to put the suit on again. It was a shame, really, because it was a damn nice suit. But then again, Michael had thought the exact same thing about him. The thought made him shudder, and without another thought he began fumbling at the buttons of his vest in his haste to get it off. Cass must have noticed his abrupt desperation, and gently and carefully leaned in to help him undo the buttons. Dean dropped his hands and let Cass methodically attend to undressing him. It was only then that Dean finally noticed what Cass was wearing. His usual suit and coat were gone. Instead, he wore what looked like Dean's soft oatmeal henley and a pair of black flannel sleep pants. He felt a wave of exhaustion sweep over him at the fact that he hadn't noticed sooner. Then again, maybe he had just grown accustomed to seeing Cass wearing different clothes while they'd been trapped in Gabriel's baking show world. It wasn't quite as earth-shattering a sight as it would have been months ago. You changed your clothes, Dean said, trying his best not to sound awestruck as he pinched the fabric of Cass's sleeve between his fingers. We knew going into this that it would take days for Aniel to complete the adjustments to the battery that it might take weeks for Rowena to require the hyperbolic pulse generator. Naomi needed to contain Michael so that ripping him from your body wouldn't kill you in the process. And the safest way to do that was Gabriel's plan to pull you out of yourself and keep you, as he said, entertained. Cass directed the entirety of his focus into the buttons. When I reminded Gabriel that my grace was already severely depleted, and that the ordeal would leave me practically human. Sam suggested I might be more comfortable this way. I took his concern as a kindness, and he seemed happier believing it would help. Dean grunted. Did it help? Cass helped Dean slide the waistcoat off his shoulders and tossed it onto the small sofa across the room. He smiled up at Dean. It definitely helped as Gabriel was preparing to send us into his pocket universe. Knowing I was wearing something of yours here in the real world was a comfort. I regret that I didn't insist on changing you out of Michael's suit. But once he was trapped, time was of the essence. I did what I could for you while Naomi prepared to do her work. But it was more important at the time to keep Michael from escaping with you again than ensure your future comfort. I appreciate that, Cass. Everything you did for me. 
Cass hummed and then reached behind himself on the bed to grab a t-shirt and sweats that had been neatly stacked there. We initially planned to trap Michael here, in your bed. Sam thought that would be comforting for you, to wake up in your own room. When we first began planning the rescue mission in earnest, I'd set these clothes out for you, knowing you'd want to be comfortable when you came home. He added, his voice trailing off. Dean gave him a quick kiss, startling Cass out of his melancholy, and set to work unbuttoning his shirt. He figured it was best to keep Cass talking. They had so much to talk about, and Sam would be back soon. It seemed safest to stick to conversational topics that Sam was already privy to, then venture off into their shared vacation to Gabriel land. So what happened to the original plan? Dean caved just too inviting. Cass shook his head and slid off the bed to pull off Dean's socks. It was only then he noticed that neither of them were wearing shoes. No wonder they'd been slipping and sliding so much. It was a lame excuse, but Dean was willing to take any excuse he could get to justify being so uncoordinated. She suggested tying you to a chair in the library so she'd have access to... She glanced up and circled his finger around his head like a halo, and Dean nodded in understanding. Cass quickly went on. Gabriel scoffed at the idea and described the two recliners he'd grown rather fond of while he'd been hiding in there. The room was also large enough for everyone who needed or wanted to be present to stand guard and observe the proceedings. So this whole thing with your grace, Dean said as he pulled off his shirt and quickly pulled on the t-shirt. You weren't sure how much you'd wear yourself out just lying there? Cass shrugged and pulled himself back onto the bed. He looked away but held out a hand to support Dean as he stood up to drop his pants and pull on the sweats. Dean practically fell backward onto the bed when he was done, but at least he hadn't fallen face first onto the floor. Small favors. He sighed with relief and let his eyes slip closed for a second, reopening them to see Cass smiling softly down at him. Rather than try to sit up and balance himself at the edge of the bed, he rolled over and pulled himself up toward the headboard. Come on already, Dean said, patting the other pillow in invitation. If I can crawl my way up here, then so can you. Cass complied, and Dean offered him an encouraging smile. Not like he had much control over his smile in that moment. Cass scrambling up beside him on his bed was something he never expected to see in reality. He was tempted to pinch himself in case this was all still some wild dream. So, about the grace thing... Dean prompted as Cass made himself comfortable. Cass leaned his head back against the wall and then slowly rolled it to the side to look at Dean. Gabriel and I discussed what he intended to do. He used my connection to you to reach you. He didn't use my grace as anything more than a bridge to connect the three of us and build a pocket dimension around. It didn't contribute to my weakened state, if that's what you're asking. Dean nodded slowly and was about to ask what did contribute to his clearly weakened state when Sam knocked at the door and then opened it. He picked up a small cooler and brought it and a tray of sandwiches into the room. He set the cooler down on Dean's nightstand and then pulled out a laptop balance beneath the tray of sandwiches. Thought you guys might want this too, Sam said, handing the laptop to Cass and the tray to Dean. You know, in case you're having trouble sleeping or just need a distraction... You can play a movie or music or whatever. Thank you, Sam, Cass replied, smiling up at him. Sam nodded, 
torn between wanting to stay and talk to make sure Dean and Cass were both okay, to ask them any of a thousand questions that Dean could practically see trying to push their way out of his mouth, and giving them both a little peace and quiet. Sam, Dean said after watching his brother's torment for a moment, thank you. For whatever you did. For everything. Sam nodded, letting himself breathe. Of course, man. That's what we do, right? Save the people we love. It was so much more than that. The things Dean knew Michael had planned for the world. Things he definitely didn't want to think about right then. Sam and Cass and the rest of them had saved them all from that fate. You guys saved the world, Dean finally said, looking up at Sam and then over to Cass. He really wanted to reach over and grab Cass's hand where it rested on the blanket between them. But there'd be time for that soon enough. Saving me was just the bonus prize, I guess. Sam grinned down at him and shook his head. Glad it all worked out then, jerk. Dean took a swipe at him and missed by a mile as Sam jumped out of range. Bitch, I'll get you back when I can move. Sure, Dean, Sam said, slowly moving towards the door. There's a couple of sodas and some bottled water in the cooler. Mom wasn't sure what you'd want. A beer would have been great, Dean replied, lifting the lid and peeking inside to find several beers as well. Well, looky there. He handed one to Cass and got one for himself. Okay, I guess we'll see you when you're ready, Sam said. Yeah, Dean replied. If you haven't heard from us in a day or so, send more food. Sam laughed, relieved that Dean was at least joking again, and shut the door behind him as he left. Cass slid the laptop up onto the shelf above Dean's headboard and looked over the tray of sandwiches on Dean's lap. There were several peanut butter and jelly, as well as ham and chicken, in addition to a small plate of store-bought cookies. Dean picked up one of the cookies and turned it over, scoffing, as Cass took a contented bite of the PB&J. You spoiled yourself. Cass muttered around the sticky peanut butter. Hey, I didn't ask to learn all the finer points of baking, Dean complained. I wish I had some pistachio macarons. You could have them if you were able to stand up long enough to make them, Cass replied, one eyebrow raised as he took a sip of his beer. Dean bumped his shoulder against Cass's and picked up a sandwich. Don't think I'm not going to make you help. I'm looking forward to it, Cass replied. They both ate their fill, and Dean found enough room beside the laptop to slide the plate with the remaining uneaten sandwiches onto the shelf above their heads. Neither of them seemed to have any desire to distract themselves with a movie. He may have been exhausted, but there were things Dean still needed to know. First things first, though. He took the opportunity to finally clasp Cass's hand in his. Cass made a funny little noise and looked from their joined hands up to Dean's face. Dean's heart may have been pounding, but he hoped he didn't look as terror-struck as he felt. If he could do that without dying, then he could probably handle this conversation. So, the whole time we were over there, you knew? Dean began. Cass narrowed his eyes thoughtfully as he recalled their time in Gabriel's world. I knew Gabriel's general plan before we began, but no. For the most part, I knew as much as you did. Gabriel kept some part of my subconscious informed, and I recalled having several dreams where I remembered talking with Gabriel and feeling better after the fact. But aside from that, no. 
Gabriel implanted the same sort of false memories for me as he did for you. Dean nodded slowly, taking that all in. So, everything that happened, he waved a hand between them. That was all because of Gabriel? Oh, Dean, no. Cass replied, lifting their joined hands so he could scoot closer to Dean and then resting their hands on his lap. Gabriel gave me a... a background story and the knowledge to produce a television program. That was all. The rest, as he said, was all on us. I think this, he said, squeezing Dean's hand again, was simply easier to focus on without any cosmic disasters to distract us. Dean let that sink in. He'd been afraid to discover that Cass had just been playing his role that whole time. Their kiss should have been enough to reassure him, but he still needed to hear Cass say it. Good, that's a relief. Dean took a deep breath and let his eyes close while he gulped down the last of his beer and set the bottle on the floor. I spent a long time with Gabriel while you were... gone, Cass said. I'm sure he was aware of my feelings for you before he finalized his plans for his pocket universe. I wasn't exactly subtle. I was... less than diplomatic when Aniel first suggested trapping you directly into her battery. <laughs> Dean laughed. Sounds like me last year when you were dead. Practically tore Sam's head off one night. Cass frowned up at him. You did? Over me? Dean gave him a look of, well, duh. But you never said. Cass, Dean said, rubbing his free hand over his eyes. You came back and you were like 100% about protecting Jack. I figured you had more important shit to deal with, you know? Saving the world from Michael and Lucifer, making sure Jack was safe. I wasn't about to stand in your way. But Dean, I wanted you to stand in my way. I shouted at a cosmic entity until he sent me back to you. I thought you wouldn't want to be bothered with me. I always want to be bothered with you, Cass. Cass nodded, slowly leaning in and kissing him. Dean turned into him, keeping the kiss slow and gentle. When they broke apart, they were both smiling like exhausted, lovesick dopes. They'd had what felt like months to grow into this, and thinking back over that time gave Dean another thought. So what about everyone else over there? I take it they were all fake? Sam's not just waiting until I can stand upright before bringing out all the bakery jokes, is he? Cass gave him a little smile and shrugged. Aside from me and Gabriel... Only patience was actually present in that universe when she was keeping tabs on you for Naomi. Dean frowned at that, recalling the tense conversation he'd interrupted between the three of them on their last day in that universe. It felt like it had only been hours ago, and simultaneously years ago. So you were having a little powwow over me at the studio, he said. Cass nodded, as if that had only just registered to his conscious attention. Yes, we were. Patience let Gabriel know that everything was in place, and Gabriel, for lack of a better description, planted the trigger that would begin the expulsion spell within me. Wait, planted a trigger? I believe he got the idea from Chuck's soul bomb. But this time it was an archangel bomb, and the detonator was a kiss. Cass frowned, trying to piece together exactly what he'd known and when. 
I only understood that, remembered that, when you asked to kiss me. And everything after that? Dean asked, leaning in closer and sliding his arm around Cass's waist. Was all me, yes. Cass replied, his eyes drawn to Dean's lips as he licked them. That's all I needed to know, Dean said softly, and then pulled Cass in for another kiss. For the record, I love you too. Kissing Cass was so much better on a horizontal surface, without the imminent threat of falling over to worry about. His hands were free to wander, and Cass hissed into his mouth when Dean's hand found its way beneath the hem of his shirt and up his back. Cass soon grew frustrated with the clothes that had made him feel closer to Dean when he'd put them on, now that they were creating a barrier that kept Dean from getting any closer. Dean whined his displeasure when Cass pulled away from him, but stopped fighting against it when Cass shimmied and tugged his way out of his shirt. When he was finished, Cass pulled at the hem of Dean's shirt, and he groaned and pushed himself upright so he could yank it off. Dean had barely pulled it over his head, his arms still tangled in the sleeves, when Cass dove back in for another kiss, tackling him to the bed. This time the landing was expected and far less painful, and they kept right on kissing. I'd begun to lose hope that I'd ever see you again, Cass said, breathless as Dean kissed his way down his neck. Billy wanted to throw you back into the other universe. Naomi wanted to trap you in heaven, and several others suggested there might be a way to kill you. Dean paused, his face buried against Cass's neck and shoulder, his arms winding more tightly around Cass and breathed. I'm here now, Cass. You found another way, and I'm here. Cass held him back just as tight and planted a kiss in Dean's hair. Yes, you are. Don't ever let me do anything that stupid again, Dean said, resuming his ministrations to Cass's collarbone. I'll do my best. Cass replied, sliding down so he could kiss Dean's mouth again. Dean's hand had wandered lower down his back, fingertips grazing the top of the soft flannel of Cass's pants. Encouraged by the increasing desperation of their kisses, he dared to let his fingers slip under the waistband and was rewarded with a groan as Cass rocked his hips forward against Dean's. Cass pulled back, panting and staring wild-eyed at Dean as the feeling of both their erections pressed between them. Dean looked into his eyes, watching his every reaction, and then slowly and deliberately rolled his hips again. Cass threw his head back and bit his lip while Dean continued to languidly thrust against him. He needed to see, to feel everything, so Cass forced himself to look into Dean's eyes and reach down to pull at his waistband. This time, Dean didn't complain as the two of them scrambled to get the rest of their clothing out of the way. God, we could have been doing this weeks ago, Dean said at the first touch of skin on skin. Stupid fucking code of ethics or whatever bullshit I was thinking over there. We could have been doing this years ago, Dean, Cass replied, sliding one hand down Dean's back to give him more leverage to rut against Dean's hip. But it never would have been like this. Dean nodded, grabbing hold of Cass's ass and pulling him closer. He thought he knew what Cass meant. There were so many times he could have grabbed Cass and kissed him over the years. He could have said something more times than he could count. And yet it never felt entirely right. Just like his personal code had stopped him from hitting on Cass when he'd technically been his employer in that imaginary universe. 
There were still walls that had to be torn down before either of them would have been ready for this. And as Cass wound one leg between Dean's and frantically rutted against him, pulling him in for a sloppy and desperate kiss, those ten years of denial felt more than worth it. He wanted to reach down between them, to touch Cass, but that would have meant letting go of him, and even the thought of it was unbearable. It could wait until later. Everything else could wait until later. Dean, I'm... Cass said, and Dean nodded and hoped that was enough for Cass to know he was just as close. Dean drove his hips faster, never taking his eyes off Cass as he tumbled over the edge. His next thrust was lubricated with Cass's hot release, and that was more than enough to send him tumbling after. They lay there, still holding each other tight as their breathing slowed and the world snapped back into place around them. Cass swallowed hard. That was... a good start, Dean finished for him. Cass nodded and then gave him a gentle, reverent kiss. Dean would have been perfectly happy falling asleep like that, but he knew he'd regret it in the middle of the night when he woke up sticky and itchy and cold. He reached up with one hand to grab his shirt where it landed on the pillow and carefully cleaned them off before tugging at the top of the blankets beneath them. Cass groaned, but consented to separate long enough to slip under the covers. Cass was still pulling the blankets up around them when Cass pulled him in close, tangling their legs together as they both drifted off to sleep. That's exactly how they woke up hours later. Cass stirred in his arms, burrowing his face down against Dean's shoulder, and Dean smiled sleepily down at the mess of Cass's hair tickling his chin. For a while, he just lay there indulging the warmth of Cass's body snuggled up to his own, the feel of Cass's steady breaths tickling his shoulder, and letting the new reality of their lives settle over him. Heaven was safe, there weren't enough angels left to fuck it up, or to cause much trouble on earth. Hell was always going to be turning out new demons, but the worst of the worst were gone and the rest of them weren't exactly a threat, at least for the foreseeable future. There'd probably always be the occasional monster that got out of line, an eventual spirit here and there, but that was nothing they couldn't handle as it came up. For the first time in more than a decade, the world wasn't ending. Dean held Cass a little tighter and breathed. Cass had been right. They probably could have kissed years ago, but there was always something far too ready to pull them apart again. They could have had a quick, glad you're alive fuck any number of times over the years, and that would have been the end of it. Hell, if they had, Dean probably would have made sure that was the end of it. Not because he wouldn't have wanted more, but because he wasn't sure he'd have been able to live with himself for wanting more. Everything was different now. Cass was different now. He wanted to be here as much as Dean wanted him here, 
and it wasn't because the universe was taking a swan dive or because they didn't have a choice. It wasn't because someone needed saving or help scrambling to clean up another cosmic mess. Cass had simply made up his mind that this is where he wanted to be, because he loved Dean. Lying there in the dim light of his desk lamp with Cass in his arms, the world was a far more beautiful place than it had ever been. Cass began to stir again, and out of curiosity, Dean finally glanced up at the clock. It read 3.37 a.m., so it wasn't likely that anyone else was up and about in the bunker, unless Gabriel had popped back in to watch TV once they vacated the Dean cave. Dean snorted at the thought, and Cass made a disgruntled little noise as he woke up and blinked up at Dean. Morning, sunshine, Dean said quietly. Is it morning? Cass replied, looking confused. I can't tell anymore. Dean gently rubbed his back and smiled. It's too early to call it morning yet. Don't worry about it. Cass relaxed under the touch, settling back into the pillows as he reoriented himself. Hello, Dean. Dean's heart nearly stopped. Cass had said those two words to him countless times. It felt like it had been far too long since he'd heard them. And he'd never heard them quite like this, laced with absolute, unconditional love and contentment. He couldn't help himself. He dropped a kiss to Cass's forehead. Cass smiled and tilted his head up to give him a proper kiss, and then pulled back to look at Dean with wide eyes. I was sleeping. Yeah, you were, Dean replied. Cass shook his head. I'd grown accustomed to it in Gabriel's universe. I wasn't sure I'd be able to now that we're back here. Dean shrugged. You also ate a sandwich and drank a beer and... Dean slid one hand down Cass's back and pulled their bodies together. Other human things. Cass nodded, his eyebrows drawing together. I suppose I expended more of my grace than I thought shielding you from Michael during the extraction spell. I think I need to talk to Gabriel. That's what I'm here for, Gabriel replied, appearing on the little green sofa, casually stretched out like he'd been reclining there for hours just waiting for someone to notice him. Shit, Dean said, craning his neck around to see him while Cass glared. Gabriel! I was going to mention it earlier, but you didn't look much like you were up for a big feelings chat, Gabriel said. Figured you'd want to explain a few things to your boy toy here, too, before I started throwing wrenches around. That's unexpectedly gracious of you, Cass replied. Gabriel shrugged. What can I say? Gracious is my middle name. And speaking of grace, he added, squinting at the two of them still cuddled together under the blankets. It looks like Dean's got more of your grace running through him than you do, Cass. Dean's eyes went wide and he looked between Cass and Gabriel, focusing as hard as he could, but still unable to feel any grace inside himself. He'd grown accustomed to the feeling over the last month or so, so it shouldn't have been a challenge to spot it now. You're joking. Gabriel shook his head. Not about this, Dean. Dean turned back to Cass, searching his eyes for answers. Cass sighed and confessed. You've had a trace of my grace in you since I raised you from hell. It bound you back together, and over the last ten years it's become a part of you. It's not so much my grace anymore as a part of your soul now. 
Dean nodded slowly, and Cass visibly relaxed now that he was assured Dean wouldn't be angry with him over it. Together they looked back over at Gabriel, waiting for him to give whatever answers he'd clearly been hanging around just waiting to deliver. Tough room, Gabriel said, sitting up properly and leaning forward, his elbows resting on his knees. Yeah, well, it's the damn middle of the night, and you popped into the middle of a private conversation. Oh, Dean, you two haven't had a completely private conversation in months. I figured you'd be used to it by now. Dean glared at Gabriel, and he held up his hands and relented. Seeing as you've both been through some trauma while saving heaven and earth, I'll get to the point. Cass, for all intents and purposes, you're as human as Dean is. Cass stared at Gabriel for a moment and then nodded slowly. Okay. Gabriel got to his feet and began pacing. Damn, maybe I should have waited until you were more awake for this. We're awake now, Gabriel, Cass replied, rolling his eyes. Just explain yourself, please. Gabriel stopped pacing and turned to face them at the foot of the bed. He pulled a small vial out of his pocket and held it up. It glowed with a weak blue light. I took the liberty of pulling this out last night when Cass triggered the expulsion ritual. I figured if you hadn't made your choice yet, you at least deserved one night of rest with your favorite human. Looks like I was right, he said, waggling his eyebrows at them. You took my grace, Cass asked. Gabriel shrugged. It was either that or risk having you hoovered up along with Michael. You were bound to Dean. This was the only way to disconnect you from Michael. I figured this way at least you would have a choice of whether you wanted it back or not. Or, you know, you'd have a choice about anything, at all, ever again. Cass frowned at him and Dean just sat there looking horrified. You mean that spell would have pulled Cass out entirely? Eh, 80-20, Gabriel said, then tilted his hand from side to side. Maybe 70-30? Technicalities at this point. Gabriel dropped his hand. But it was a risk I didn't think you'd want to take. No, Cass replied with a little shudder. Dean pulled him in closer. No, I'm grateful that I'm not trapped forever in a box with Michael. Good call, Gabriel said. So now that that's settled, I need to know what you want me to do with this. He held up the vial, and Dean and Cass both watched the light inside dance. We don't need it up in heaven. It would be like throwing a watch battery at the Hoover Dam, in case it ran low on power. Cass frowned at that but nodded. Would it be possible to save it for another purpose? It's yours, Castiel. You can use it however you want. Cass took one look at Dean and then nodded resolutely at Gabriel. Can you leave it on the desk there? Gabriel gave him a funny look, but did as he asked. Is that all for now? Cass asked him. I suppose it is, Gabriel replied. I guess I'll be seeing you lovebirds around then. Just holler if you ever need anything. Hey, wait up, Dean said. There's something you can get for me. He held out his hand toward the desk and gestured at a pad of paper. Do you mind? He asked, raising an eyebrow at Gabriel. Gabriel made a considering face at him, as if he was contemplating making Dean get up and walk across the room naked as payment for whatever it was he wanted, but sighed and flicked a finger at the notepad, sending it and a pen soaring into Dean's outstretched hand. 
Dean gave him a tight smile and then set to work making his list. Cass tried to lean over to see what he was writing, but Dean made a pouty face at him and raised his knee to block Cass's view. Dean finished his list, tossed it to Gabriel with a smirk, and dropped the pen on his nightstand. You can drop it off in the kitchen. Maybe come back for dinner and there'll be a cannoli in it for you. Cass laughed at the look of confusion and then understanding on Gabriel's face, and Dean's breath caught in his throat at the sound. Groceries, huh? Guess my little plan to create my own personal Frankenchef worked. Gabriel returned Dean's smirk. Thank you again, Gabriel, Cass said more quietly, and the archangel nodded once before disappearing. Dean let out a sigh and flopped back down onto his pillow. He had a perfect view of the vial of Cass's grace sitting atop his dresser and pulsing out a happy blue glow. It would have been so much easier to make a joke about volunteering himself to be Gabriel's personal pastry chef, but Cass was still sitting up, looking down at him in the shadows of his grace light. Dean tentatively reached a hand up to brush his fingers across Cass's cheek and was relieved when Cass closed his eyes and leaned into his touch. Sounded like you had something in mind when you asked Gabriel to leave your grace. He was curious, and maybe a little worried, but he wasn't going to push if Cass didn't want to talk about it. Cass sighed and laid back down beside Dean, snuggling in close. I believe we're connected, Dean. Yeah, I kind of got that years ago when you called dibs on me with the handprint. Cass shook his head and slid his hand up over Dean's shoulder where the mark he'd never intended to leave on Dean had faded almost entirely. It shouldn't have worked this way. I healed you, and like any scar, it should have faded away over time, but it didn't. So what, you gave me mojo stitches and they didn't dissolve or something? They should have, though. After everything you've been through, with the mark of Cain becoming a demon, dying and being resurrected, and now Michael. There's only one reason for any trace of my grace to have remained. Dean thought about that for a moment, and he knew. He even admitted to himself that he'd known for a long time. It's part of what brought him back when he'd been a demon, and it's why Cass had been able to reach him inside the nightmare Michael had kept him locked up inside in his own mind. You're a part of me. I want you to be a part of me, Cass. Cass nodded. You're a part of me too, Dean. I think that's why the empty couldn't hold me. It's a place for dead angels, and I haven't been an angel in a long time. Dean hummed, frowning at the cheerful glow on his nightstand. He knew he'd ruined Cass. Hester had screamed it in his face once. The very touch of you corrupts. Cass interrupted that spiraling train of thought. You know, I talked to Jack quite a bit while you were gone. I needed to understand what he'd done to call out to me in the empty. He told me you were angry with him and that he'd reached out for me. That he'd followed your anger like pulling on a thread and it woke me up. We're connected, Dean. Yeah. Dean said, nodding slowly. Amara did the same thing. She used you to get to me. Both of them laid there for a few minutes, thinking back over their past 
and equally wondering whether anger was really the primary emotion involved here. It was impossible to hold on to that excuse, or any excuse, really, now that their true feelings were out in the open. They easily fell into their old habit of staring into each other's eyes. But now, instead of impossible longing, there was a thrill of acceptance and undeniable love. Cass eventually remembered Dean's question and answered it from that mutual understanding. I was thinking I could use my grace to eventually power our own little corner of heaven. Someday, in the distant future, we can power up the Winchester family wing entirely off the grid, so to speak. I think Gabriel will help set that in place for us when the time comes. Winchester family wing, huh? Dean replied, grinning now. That sounds awesome, Cass. Even better than retiring on a beach somewhere. We can have a beach, too. Whatever you want, Dean. As long as you're there, I don't think I even care. He leaned in to kiss Cass and then pulled back, smiling. You know, Gabriel's probably already dumped all those groceries in the kitchen. We can surprise everyone with a decent breakfast. It might be a little early for that yet. I don't even know how long we've been sleeping. For all we know, it could have been days. Dean laughed. Yeah, no, I guess it was about four hours. But there's something else we need to do first. I haven't showered in like a month. Aside from in Gabriel's pocket universe, I haven't showered in years, Cass said, frowning. I remember the water pressure here is more than adequate. Dean kissed him again and then sat up, tossing his robe to Cass. That settles it. Come on. Dean pulled on his sweatpants and grabbed a couple of towels while Cass marveled at the robe in his hands. This is yours, he said, running his fingers over the soft, heavy fabric. Dean shrugged. I'll find one for you later if you want. There's a bunch of them lying around here. Just put it on already. Cass did, and the two of them headed off to the shower room. It was a long time before they made it out to the kitchen. Sam wandered in, bleary-eyed and surprised to find Dean and Cass both shuffling around the kitchen at seven in the morning. I don't know whether to be more surprised to see you both ambulatory, or to see Cass wearing a Led Zeppelin t-shirt, Sam said, making his way to the coffee pot. You're just in time for pancakes, Cass said as Dean flipped another one out onto the already towering stack. Yeah, and we're taking care of dinner tonight, courtesy of Gabriel, Dean added, so don't be too surprised if he pops in later. Just a heads up. Okay, Sam replied. I guess you two sorted everything out with him that needed sorting? He gave Cass a curious look. Dean caught it and assumed that Sam and Cass had also talked about his intentions to stay in the bunker permanently and maybe even give up his grace to help power heaven if need be. If there was one thing he didn't want to leave Sam with any doubts about, it was this. Dean flipped another pancake onto the stack and then turned to wrap an arm around Cass's shoulders. Yeah, Cass is staying. Permanently. Cass nodded, glancing up at Dean. And if it wasn't obvious, I'm human again. Sam nodded slowly and blew out a breath before smiling. I guess congrats are in order, then? Dean froze for a moment, wondering just how much Cass and Sam had talked, just how much Sam had already knew about them. He'd left them both in Dean's bed the night before, so maybe Dean didn't need to explain anything. 
Instead, he looked into Cass's eyes and let himself feel content, giving Cass a quick kiss before turning back to the stove to finish breakfast. Sam choked on his coffee and sputtered out. Okay, I guess congrats really are in order then. What the hell did I miss? Dean glanced up at Cass to see him doing his level best not to laugh at Sam. I think you must have missed a lot, Sam. Cass told him and then went back to peeling oranges. Sam sat at the table and watched them, mystified at the entire scene. It was just so domestic, but also not quite. Dean moved around the kitchen like he'd spent his entire life there. It had always been his domain, but now it was like he really owned it. What the hell did Gabriel have you two doing for all that time? You said it felt like months. Dean gave Cass a thoughtful look and then shrugged, turning to Sam. Wait until you see what I'm making for dessert. The End Thank you so much for listening. Looking a bit less drained as he sips. <laughs> Looking a bit less drained as he sipped stale, sipped stale coffee. Yeah, I open up. Yeah. I want your phone, so I know this. Um, obby. I think it saves your obby. Uh huh. So I'm gonna try to beat my obby. Okay. No, no. I need it. For like five more minutes. I'm almost done and then I'm coming downstairs. Okay? Why do you need it? I, I, it's, the stuff that I'm doing is on my phone. So go downstairs. I will be done in five minutes. Okay? Burr, burr, burr. All right, go downstairs. The faster you go, the faster I'll get done. Okay? You're still up here. I know you. Yeah. <laughs> did you hear my uh, Yeah, no, I, yeah. But did you pretend to walk down the steps? Did you like march? You're such a stinker. Okay. Okay, go downstairs. You're still up here. <laughs> Thank you so much for your support. I can be contacted on Twitter, Tumblr, or at makingitupaswegopod at gmail.com. 
If you are able, please go to the author's AO3 story and give comments and kudos to them for sharing this with us. The link is in the show notes. This will also be posted on AO3 as a podfic under my username, and the link will be in the show notes as well. As always, thank you so much for listening.